you start off as a man? How do you think you've changed as a man in two years? It's just a culmination of kind of being in integrity. That's the best way I can, I can describe it, right? And what I mean by that is kind of getting in a place where what you choose to do to make a living, right, and how you choose to live life as a whole is not at odds with each other. So there's not a whole lot of compartmentalizations that, you know, this is who I am as a human being, as a person, as, as a man, right? And here's my value set, whatever, that, what, whatever those are for me. And then this is what I do for a living, right? Because we, we, we tend to create, and especially in our industry, we tend to create that bifurcation a lot. Part of the reason I started this firm and branched out is because I wanted to be more integrated, right? To kind of just show up and, and have my belief system be just completely embedded and entrenched in, in uh, you know, what we, what we built. And what, what that's allowed me to do is I don't have a ton of energy now that's kind of being utilized to hold all of my personalities together. What we kind of miss is when you have so many personalities and so many values that you have to hold, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of subconscious energy to at all times kind of come in and out of these roles. So for me, what it's been is it's, it's simple. It's a release of energy that was not serving me. There's a level of excitement and, and that along with, as I, as I mentioned, just kind of making sure that all the actions I'm taking in my professional life are fully integrated and in alignment with my values and my personal life. When you get in that place, I, I just genuinely believe that, um, you know, like a different version of you shows up, you know, a more centered you shows up because you've done the work to figure out, A, what you believe, what you stand for, and now you are in congruence. We launched the firm in May of 2017, so we're about two and a half years into it, you know, ballpark. So when you and I first connected, we were a half year into it. So lots of lessons learned. Um, the reason why I wanted to build this has not changed you know, at all. But I think the longer I do it, the more congruent I, I continue to become because this, I, I love this. I, I always say like, if I could be doing anything, I'd be doing this, right? And, and so what's happened over the last you know, two years is just while we have iterated in what the business looks like, the why we started the business has not changed and how much passion we have for what we're building has not changed and how much fun we have uh, doing it day to day. And it absolutely has not changed. So in, in a beautiful way, it's been marinating and maturing and, and it's, it's way more fulfilling than I even thought it would be. Um, and it's way more challenging yeah. than I thought it would be. So that's what's different in the last two years. What are some of the moments or maybe the moment when you realize like, this is why I do what I do? I know that I'm on the right track because I have never been more centered in my life. Mm. I've never had a level of just peace within me, right? And, and so I value and I judge whether or not what I'm doing is right for me based on what that feels like, smells like, tastes like when I'm sitting by myself and nobody else is around. Am I at peace? I have a practice of going into silence. You know, people call it meditation, call it whatever you want, almost on a daily basis where I go in and check in. I was like, all right, all systems go. We still feel good. We still fired up, still excited to do this, even with the challenges. Yeah, okay, good, we're on the right path, right? And all of us have this level of intelligence within us, right? And we talk about the ancient cultures and the, and the you know, wisdom teachings about why you meditate, why you get centered. This intellect, logic, in our uh, industry, absolutely need to have it, gotta be on point with it. And then there's intuition and intelligence, 
which I separate from intellect and logic, which is plugging into this apparatus that we have, you know, called our human body, our human psyche. Um, and it has so much to teach us, uh, but that requires getting away from everything that's going on in your life to make time to reconnect with it and say, okay, well, what does this wisdom have to tell me and teach me about where I am and whether or not I'm aligned? I base my belief systems on experiential knowledge, right? There's a lot of stuff out there you can read. And in, in my mind, anything that you read and anything that you ascribe value to because somebody has written and you understand it logically, that's great. That's, that's a beautiful place to start, but that's a concept. When you experience that thing for yourself, whatever that thing is, then you know what it is, right? So for me, what has been true experientially is that I know I can, I can get in silence, I can plug in, I can plug into uh, you know, an intelligence far greater than you know, just my mind. And um, if I get quiet and I listen, it has a lot to teach me. Um, and again, let me be clear, that is not in any way, shape or form a replacement for using your logic in your brain. That's 100% that has to be done, that's our business but it's also realizing that there's another system that you can plug into, which is your body, which is your breath, which is being centered, which is being in silence. How long did it take for you to get to a place where you could have uh, effective sessions? Meditation is not about whether or not you can get to know thoughts. You know, people talk about that all the time, but it's, it's really about, can you have enough discipline to kind of make that a process for you? And once you do that, you know, whether it takes, Five minutes or 20 minutes like you know some days I'll sit for I sit for at least a half hour every day Some days I'll sit down and I just go so deep. I don't come back out for two hours Most entrepreneurs who have been successful to whatever degree and when you really get them behind closed doors I, You know we do this for a living. I mean, you know, I'm an entrepreneur We have I mean all the companies in the lower middle market as you know that we engage with are primarily entrepreneurs And here's a question I love to ask right like what's your superpower? We all have it. Everyone has something. And I ask that question to almost everyone. What's your superpower? And I'll usually do it in a very casual, like at a dinner or whatever else, you know, once the rapport's built. And I will say the, the ones who are truly aware of it, almost without exception, will tell me, and this is true for me as well, it's my intuition. Mm. They'll, they'll say, it's my intuition. I've made some decisions that on paper maybe didn't make the perfect sense, but when I really plugged in, I just knew that that's where I had to take the company, or I knew I could not do that deal, or I knew that I had to let go of that person, or I knew, even though we couldn't afford to, I had to hire that person, right? And, and, and that's a common theme for the ones, they, in my mind, those who kind of get that centered have really plugged into, you know, yet another source of wisdom, if you will. Again, we don't talk about this in industry, but it's true. I mean, it's a business, right? You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that intuition is a superpower and a beautiful way to cultivate intuition is to meditate, is to go into silence. We engage in all this stuff day to day, which is transactional, and your brain is a beta wave. It's a beta wave, and we can do a lot of this kind of transactional stuff. But when you're looking for an insight, when you're looking for an intuition, when you're looking for the deeper reasoning behind something, you know, you have to drop into alpha or into delta or into theta. How do you do that? And so, yeah, meditation is a way to do it. Breath works a way to do it. So for me, what it allows me to do is when I sit in peace, when I sit in silence for whatever time it is, it literally creates time for me. So when I come out of it, my brain's in a different place. My presence is, is, is a much deeper level. So I think this is the whole thing. Like we've turned into some mystical, magical thing that you know, I don't know if I have access to it. It's like, no, it's just sit down, be quiet, 
you know, and just try to get to a place where you're not thinking of 17 things at one time. And there's so many different ways to do it. And then, you know, set a clock for like, okay, I'm going to just see, I'm just going to watch what shows up. No expectations. And you'll see all these crazy thoughts just running through your mind. And part of that is teaching your body and teaching your mind, right? That, hey, like I'm in charge. Whether you like it or you don't, we're sitting down. I'm going to put my butt down on a chair for 30 minutes, and that's sort of what's going to happen. And the more you do it, the more your mind just kind of starts getting more centered. It's like Jordan's not going to let up. You know, if we're going to sit here for a half hour every day, might as well make it somewhat pleasurable. What are your earliest memories of getting exposed to entrepreneurship? I'm a first-generation immigrant. And my family moved here to the U.S. when I was 10, almost 11. And my dad always had a business, some kind of business, right? He was... And I know you love this term, like he was a hustler, right? He's, he's a retired military guy. He had spent uh, you know, 20 plus years in special forces in the Indian army, retired and moved here. And when we moved here, he just had this passion to go build stuff and, you know, like small businesses, but he's dabbled in everything from, he owned a car lot, he owned some uh, bunch of, you know, like strip mall real estate. He owned a handful of gas stations, he's owned hotels. So he's been one of those guys that just love to, and, and same thing for my mother as well, you know, they were both partners in, in everything they did. So my entire existence in the US was in a family that was completely self-sufficient in the context of like, you know, small business entrepreneurs. And you know, saw all the challenges that brings, saw the freedom that it can, it can, it can provide. I just knew eventually, you know, I. I wanted to go build something with a group of people that, uh, that I would want to do for a long time. I went the tra traditional route, went to business school, started a career on Wall Street, uh, left there, ran two different companies as an operator before coming back and, and launching this. But this seed that I would do something like this was planted a long time ago. All the guys on the team kind of joke around. They're like, Karan, we're so glad that you started a company because you're not employable. Life is short. We spend so much time at work so much time, right? I mean, think about this. If we're really lucky, maybe we hit 85, right? I mean, I don't know what the average age is. It goes by this quick. A majority of that time we end up spending at work. So for me, it had to be something that just lights me up and I wanted to do it with people that I want to spend. Three of my partners are three of my closest friends from, you know, 15 years ago, right? And so we get to come here, walk into this office and build something that all of us can be proud of and go through the trials, the tribulations, the excitements, the, you know, the, the challenge, the celebrations together as a family, pretty much. Um, and you know, I don't know when I'm working and when I'm not working, right? So people say, oh, you're a workaholic. I'm like, I'm playing all the time. Yeah. At what point did you get all in? The one thing that doesn't get talked about in entrepreneurship is just how lonely and difficult and hard it can get and, and how it can lead to depression and anxiety. I have so many friends who have gone through that, you know, and I'm not saying I didn't, of course I did too. I think that's just a, that's the price you have to pay if you want to be in this game. I sat down with a, with a close friend who um, shall go nameless for, the, for this particular conversation. Uh, VC back is running a, you know, when you look from the outside, a very successful company, he's kind of changing an industry. So when you look at it, you're like, wow, this guy has it all figured out. Right, um, and I met him for uh, for lunch, and we've been trading. And he was in such a dark place because everything in the outside, when you look at it, he's raised his you know Series C, 
you know, they're generating enough revenue, the ramp's good, they're getting a ton of press. And when I sat with him, he's like, dude, I'm stressed all the time. Like, I just don't know when this thing's gonna fall apart. You know, I have this imposter syndrome. Um, you know, and these are things that don't get talked about, but they're so real. And us as men in the Western civilization have been like, toughen up, man up, buck up, let's roll, right? Yeah, there's, I think you've got to have that toughness if you're going to go out there and be an entrepreneur. But I think what we lack, what, what, if I can have an impact in this conversation is creating a, a brotherhood or a sisterhood where when you're going through that, like let's make it more normal to have the conversation about just how difficult this is, how lonely it can feel. What does the funding look like? What does my family look like? And so we, we got into this deep, 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 beautiful conversation about just how difficult it was for him and how no one else who, was, who hasn't been in that seat could really understand it because everybody's congratulating him about all the success he's having. Yeah. And he is just freaking out on the inside. Entrepreneurship is by definition, it's gonna be tough, right? It's high risk, high reward. What people don't realize is that, yeah, you can have some easy wins, but you, know, you could be at it for two, three, four years before you see any signs that tell you, yes, you're definitely on the right track, right? So I believe that your best opportunities in life are going to come from the unknown. So you gotta put yourself in a place where the outcome is uncertain. And if you can be in that place and still perform at your highest level, that's where your breakthroughs are gonna happen. Because if you already kind of sort of have an idea of sense of, you know, what the future could look like, then all you're really doing is you're taking your past, which is your known, and you're extending that into the future, mm. right? So by definition, if you want something that has never happened to you to happen to you, you've got to stand somewhere you have never stood before in complete uncertainty and still be able to perform, right? And for a lot of people, that is a lot of stress. For a lot of people, there's a lot of anxiety. And, and I would just, I would say not everybody's cut out for entrepreneurship. So that's why I say, you got to know why you want to be an entrepreneur. See, I love standing in the unknown, right? My, my appetite for risk is probably a little bit too far on the high end, yeah. but like, I feel alive when I'm in that place where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I think I can influence it in some way. And wouldn't it be cool if I could influence it in a way and have the outcome be something that I couldn't even have imagined it could be. Why not have an expectation of something absolutely fantastic and great yeah. that has not yet happened is just around the corner. If you're doing something that you love and you really have a skill that you can bring out to the world, like if you have no value to give, pack it up, go home, yeah. right? Go work on yourself till you build enough value that now you can disseminate it. Like there's zero reason to be an entrepreneur if you don't, if you can't serve people. That's what, that's all entrepreneurship is. Sitting in a place where you don't know what the outcome is doesn't necessarily have to be about, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's bad. It's like, I don't know how good this could get. Right? That's a mindset. Sit down, cut off the outside world, and see what could I create that I haven't even thought about creating yet. So at our firm, we have, we have all these, we call them our 10 founding truths, right? Which is when we first built the business, we said, okay, what, what are some of the universal human truths that we believe around which we will, we will build a business? So these are not like truths about our business, about our industry. And one of the ones you know, that we came up with, which is true for us, is true for us, and I think, like this is just who I am, right? Is there's no such thing as work-life balance. It is all life. We choose to create our life's work in perfect harmony with our personal values. All of this is happening and you need to be in the place where you can just fluidly just flow in and out of whatever's happening because what's happening out here, all of it put together is life. Mm. 
right? And so I think we just spend too much time on this, you know, work-life balance stuff. And, and the reason people need work-life balance is because the work they're doing is so not in line with what they are and what they ought to be doing that they need to take a break from work to go to their life, which is just a sad, sad way to spend our, you know, minute little existence on this physical planet. All of what we do, like making money, all of that, right? You know, what do you want to make money? You want to have a whole collection of, you know, dead presidents, you know, in your pockets, like paper? No, you, you, want, you make money because of what the money represents for you. And this is true of like whatever it is you are accumulating or in the experiences you're having. All of that is to get to a state, right? So money is a means to get to a place. Why do you want, why do you want to have a relationship? The relationship is a means to get you to a state. Right? And that state is happening within you. It could be you want to get to peace. You want to get to happiness. So those states, the only thing, Jordan, you've ever experienced life as is an emotion inside you. So that's the end goal, right? We get to it through all these different means goals. You know, it's like, oh, if I make a lot of money. And people get stuck. They think that making the money is the goal in itself. It's not. How many people do you know who have a ton of money and are just miserable? Right. We, we both have lots of friends like that. Right. Um, and how many people do you know who in the traditional world have a worldview have very little, but they're the happiest people, you know, and, and this is not something, you know, a flippant, like, you know, be happy with less. No, no. Have everything you want. I think abundance is great. Everybody ought to have it, but realize that the place you're trying to get to is not the money. The place you're trying to get to is not even the relationship. The place you're trying to get to, you know, is not something out here. It's this state of being that you want to be in where you feel whole, you feel complete, you feel centered, you feel connected. And the way you do that, one way you do that is to be in integrity and honor what it is that resonates for you. Right. And so if making a little bit less money, but doing something that gets you waking up in the morning and looking at your family and I get to spend time with both my kids and my wife. The reason you wanted to have the money is so what you could take more vacations so you could have a little bit more security. What was it? All of that was to get you to a feeling and you can get to that feeling circumventing the money. Like that's the big miss. So when we talk about entrepreneurship and I told you, you know, what's your why, right? My why is freedom and my why is control over how I spend my life force. The most sacred thing you have only got so many hours. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can never get it back. How do I be happy on a daily basis pursuing something I Yeah, live an inspired life. I think you know, we make this way too complicated, right? I mean, engage with life, right? I think the human spirit was built for inspiration. It feeds off inspiration. It lives on inspiration. And I think part of our job as entrepreneurs is build an organization that allows other people to come in and plug into that as well. Unleash the human spirit in your organization, Jordan. It's true. That is, that is your only goal. Like, get people so fired up, you know, about what they're building. Right? Why, why we do what we do is so, you know, I unapologetically am like, man, wake up in the morning, find a way to get yourself inspired. It's just a much better way to live. And there's no reason that in our industry, you know, we can't, we can have such impact, but you got to come from the place of like, here's how it's going to be. I'm just doing it in finance. I want to hear about Antarctica. Why did you run a marathon in Antarctica? There was a cause that I feel very strongly about. It was supporting the Navy SEAL Foundation uh, and a group of just amazing human beings um, who I have just genuine love, care and respect for. Uh, one of them came to me and said, hey, we're going to um, raise some money um, and it's nice for you to give money, but you know, the team wants you to kind of come be a part of the, something special and, and we're going to go run a race. 
I was like, okay, sure, I'm not a runner, but that's fine. Like, what, 5K, 10K? They're like, no, no, we're going to run a marathon. It's like, okay. Never ran one, but I fundamentally believe it's, anything is doable. So I was like, all right, I'll train. Oh, by the way, we're going to you know, run it in like a cold environment. I'm like, okay, so, you know, like San Francisco in the winter. <laughs> so like, no, we're going to run a marathon in Antarctica on a glacier in negative 40 to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And I was like, that just sounds like a wonderful idea. <laughs> and I thought it was like, what an honor that they want to bring me into this fraternity. And the work that I'll have to do to train for it is just such a small price to pay you know, to be a part of something so special. Plus, it was a part of me, and I was like, this is going to be cool. Did, right? so, did you have moments when you were genuinely thinking that you couldn't do it? Not during training. I, I never had a moment where I thought I couldn't do it because I think I, I pride myself that even if I have to roll myself sideways, I'm going to finish. It might take me 12 hours, right? Yeah. I might have to crawl. Like, the fact that I would finish was a foregone conclusion, period, full stop. So you get there, um, so you know, we flew to south of Chile and then we got in this old Russian aircraft, which is like a transport aircraft, five hours, you know, you, you get to Antarctica. We land on a glacier, there's no, I mean, you know, there are no airports, so you literally land this plane on a glacier and just slides till it comes to a stop, more or less. <laughs> um, and so that night, there was a test run, so we're going to run the marathon the following day. Yeah. And they have physicians on staff, because, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it can get serious. So they said, hey, we're going to do a test run tonight. You get your lungs kind of used to. Uh, so cold. And, and, and you're running with all this gear on, right, because it's negative 40. And so we got geared up getting ready to go for a run. And I was running 20 miles or so by the time I got there. So I, I felt my cardio was pretty good. I had not yet experienced what it would be like to run in that cold and air that is that dry. And I, like mile two into it, I'm going to take a deep breath and it's like pins and needles in my lungs. And I can't breathe. I'm like, oh, this is mile two. That was the first time I was like, holy <laughs> I got to do this for 26 point some miles tomorrow. Like, how is that going to work? And, and the minute that thought came up, like, uh, like immediately, like, here's the one thing I know to be true, what you're capable of doing and what it's going to take within you that has to come out for you to do it doesn't come out till it's time. So I was conceptually thinking about how hard something would be without actually physically engaging with it. I wasn't running 26.2 miles that day. I was running five miles, but I was worrying about what it's going to be like to run 26.2 miles. See the disconnect? Yeah. Right. So whatever was required for me to run the 26.2, I knew for a fact that would show up when it was time to run 26.2. Right. So I was like, oh, that was a weird thought. Put it away. Right now, I'm going to run five. That's all I need to do, right, to get refocused. It was a, it was a brilliant experience. Uh, I will never do it again, but I, I will uh, highly recommend uh, everybody go run a marathon in Antarctica, in Antarctica and, and support the Navy SEAL <laughs> Foundation, a cause near and dear to my heart. You will never know what you're capable of doing until you engage and start doing it, right? The best way to do something is to do it. I think unless you have a ritual or a rhythm for yourself that says, hey, I want to see what I'm capable of, and you actively make that something that, that is a part of who you are, there's nothing in our culture that says, hey, you ought to go push yourself. Like everything, all the cultural hypnosis about how do I get you to be more comfortable, right? That, that's where we live. And so this is why 
I think anybody who gets to the place who says, okay, concepts are great, I'll do some prep work, like do all of that, I'm gonna start. Because the minute you start, now I'm in it. Whatever the it is, building a company, having the best relationship with your wife, raising the best children, running a marathon, like I'm in it. Now I'm engaging with life, I'm not engaging with the concept of life. There'll be times when stuff will show up that you can't handle in that moment, but you will figure out through your resiliency how to handle it if you are present with it. So I have a framework for me, my father and I have shared, which is that every year you pick a challenge and it can fall into three categories. It could be a mental challenge, a physical challenge, or a spiritual challenge. It's like something that just lets you, as I mentioned, engage with life because you know that whatever you're trying to tackle, if you think about it back here conceptually, it's just gonna be like, holy shit. So you need to give yourself something to chew on. One of my dad's favorite quotes is, what a man has done, any man can do if he's willing to pay the price. Now go pay the price. So it just depends, but at least this way, every year, there's something that I know I'm forcing myself to engage with life in some way where it's not theoretical anymore. What is the keystone habit that you have or have had or want that if that is done right will make everything else easier? The first, the easiest one, and again, I call this my superpower, is I have an ability to get focused and get centered that I would put up against anyone's. And the way I get to that is by training my physiology and my mentality to sit in solitude and find time to quote unquote meditate. Just go in silence. Because when I do that, the person that shows up from that place is capable of so much, right? Um, and and I've, I've seen that in my life in, in terms of how I interact with my family, with my partners, with whoever else. I would say the first keystone habit would be 100% without skipping a day, find some time to go internal and just connect with you know, the life force that is you and let it just animate you and, and just feed you. And the second thing I would say, I, I've been intermittent fasting for you know, on and off, but mostly on for a handful of years. There's something about keeping your body in a fasted state for a period of time where you get to a level of sharpness mm -hmm. You know, that's not typically not there unless I'm in that state of fastedness, right? I'll, typically I'll do 16, 17 hours fast a day and then, you know, you eat for seven or eight hours, whatever the timeline ends up being. Um, and that is something that a, uh, I find to be highly, highly, highly effective for me. And I guess the third thing, it's not a keystone habit, it was a choice I made. I don't drink anymore. Even though I love good scotch and I love good wine, it's been about four years since I had my last drink. What I realized was when I, when I quit drinking is just how much crisper and how much sharper my mental processes were. Like that little haze, the little yeah. fog yeah. from you know that couple of drinks the night before, yeah. nothing big, that wasn't there. Um, and so I would say those, those three things, you know, find time to sit in silence, you know, uh, see if you can get into a fasted state for a little bit. And for me personally, this is not a, this is not a judgment call. You know, everybody in my family drinks. Yeah. For me, I think that's one of, the, one, one of the pieces to the puzzle as well that's kind of really helped me kind of get centered and be more effective. The most fulfilling moments of your life are when you're fully engaged with life, which means that you're aware and you're present, right? That's when you take it all in. 
there's nothing inherently right or wrong in terms of the habits you choose to have. They're all serving a purpose, right? Every outcome you're getting in your life, you have a perfect system for. So everywhere you're failing in your life, you have a perfect system that allows you to fail. Everywhere you're succeeding in life, you have a perfect system that allows you to succeed. The question is, have you done the work to figure out and decode what the system is? Because I guarantee you, you have a system, right? So it's not about judging the system, it's figuring out what the system is and, and asking the question, does this or does this not serve my highest being?